Yes, welcome to No Ideas Original featuring Shanar, Mr. Rob, and Zane. What's up, y'all? How y'all doing? What's going on? Yo, we got a good one tonight. We talking tech tonight. We got a good one. I'm excited about this. Thank you. Thank you. Rob, you got your flashlight? Show everybody your wilderness no, flashlight. I'm walking around the streets doing this now because I live in the fucking woods. Rob is your yo, Rob, you should start <laughs> joint the neighborhood patrol. Yo, son, I'm a new lumberjack man, son. I'm out here chopping wood, bringing wood home instead of milk. Shit is crazy, son. Yeah, I, I, yo, the fireplace looks nice, man. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Took some work. Um, actually, uh, a family business. This, the guy and his mom came to clean out our shit, yo. Like, it was a family business. The lady hired her son. The dude that came, he had his wife working with him. I'm like, you know what? That's what I'm talking about. Entrepreneurship, man. Right there in your face. Nice, nice. What's up, bro? What's up, Zane? How you doing? What you up to? Cool, man. Uh, you know, just uh, getting ready for this nice uh and well uh anticipated um interview that we have with the Black Techie. Shout out, um, shout out to my man Joey too for the Bronx bread, same as plug. Okay. okay. Nice. Yeah, man. Tonight is a, tonight is funny, boy. We got the tri the Triple G fight come on tonight. I was telling y'all earlier they be setting Triple G up to fight Postman. Triple yeah. G fighting some some dude that has made out of American History X. The dude gonna catch a check. He just there for the check. Yeah. Wait, so Triple G fight is tonight or tomorrow? Tonight, Triple G tonight. Tomorrow is Canelo. So what tomorrow. time Triple G fight tonight? Eight something, I think. It's a street okay. fight. Don't worry about it. You see it on YouTube later. <laughs> see that on world. Yeah, see that on world but star. What we want to do, without further ado, to make sure that we get into. Yeah, it's a street fight. You see it on YouTube. Don't worry about it. But what we want to do, without further ado, let's bring in our guests. Hey, there we go. So we're joined by the Black Techie, Miss Chris Smith. How are you? I'm amazing. How are you? Great, great. Thank good. you for being here. I really appreciate it. I'm work. I love to contribute when it comes to the culture. So I wanted to make sure that we got everything, you know, got some good conversation for tonight. I think we need right. to really focus on educating us. So I'm, I'm excited to tap in tonight. Night. Before we get started talking about, because I, you know, I do know that you know you talk to us about the Superphone. You want to tell us a little bit about you and your, your background in the tech world? Yeah, most definitely. So, um, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are in the world. My name is Chris Smith. I'm better known online as the Black Techie. I help collegiate and professional athletes build direct relationships with their fan base using the power of text, the Superphone way, of course. Um, fun fact, I didn't start in technology. I actually was a juvenile probation officer. A lot of people don't know that about me. Um, I'm born and raised in Baltimore, if you can't tell by this thick accent. And um, I <laughs> So I, um, at the end of the day, I was working with some of the most volatile young youth in Baltimore City, Montgomery County, too, in the Silver Spring area. But these young men, because I had all men on my case, so they respected me very much. But I felt like kind of in a sense when it came to my purpose, that really wasn't my purpose that was there for that season. But I've always been fascinated and attracted to tech. Um, my mom is a really well-known Baltimore City school teacher. Um, shout out to Dunbar Senior High School. That's where my mother taught for years. And my dad coached there too. My right. family Dunbar, 
Dunbar in DC? No, Dunbar in Baltimore. It's one in Baltimore. Yeah, it's okay. One in Baltimore. They, both, they both got good athletic programs, but you know I'm a cloud on my city real quick. <laughs> but yeah, like she she brought home, and this is how I'm gonna date myself. I'm an '80s baby, '82. She brought home the brown box mat. I don't know if y'all have ever encountered that. Mm-hmm. When she first brought that home, I had to be like about five or six. I was obsessed with this computer. That is where like my real tech journey started. And then like a summer or two after that, had the little Apple cube where it had different colors. It was pink, colors. it was green, it was blue, had a blue one in the crib. And you know, just from there, that's when my journey started. But of course, you know, the way life kind of pivots and you know, transitions. We, we don't really start out in what we end up being our purpose. But I got into tech in 2010. I decided to shoot my shot with Apple. Um, that was like going to Harvard because I had like six interviews and this is on the retail side. Right. And I decided like I didn't want to be a salesperson. I wanted to get into technology, but, you know, didn't have any formal training. So I became what they call a genius administrator. A lot of people don't know what this position is, but it's basically the liaison from the technicians to the management team and to the front of house team and inventory. So you basically keep in, in touch with the customers. You basically understand and learn a lot about logistics. You learn about shipping. You learn about inventory. You learn about repair. Like I learned a lot. So I was with Apple for about two and a half years um, before my father passed. I left during that time he needed more care. And then I was like, well, I learned a lot from Apple. Why not try this in another realm? So 2010, moved to Atlanta. And I've been here for the last 10 years. And I decided to apply for a state government job in IT. I was like, why not? I got the skill set in Apple. When you put Apple on your resume and that you got real certifications, because I still do, they current, slid them across the table. And, you know, I seem to be a hot commodity from that perspective. And I came to my last job in 2013 in the fall. I was working for a private institution here. And I told my mom, like, the week before Christmas, and this is no joke, and she can tell you and recant the story. I was like, so I feel like I'm gonna put my two weeks notice in because what I'm doing right now, I can do for more money and for more relationships with clients. Cause I was pretty much helping them with their infrastructure, uh, with repair cues, all the stuff I had learned from Apple and skills. So I ended up putting in my two weeks. And then from there, like I've been in entrepreneurship like since that time mm-hmm. and just consulting and things of that nature. And you know, that's pretty much a lot of my journey. And a lot of people don't really know that I started literally look like the like kids say straight from the bottom. But, you know, at the end of the day, I really worked my way up in the tech space to where I've become and where I've gotten to today. Yeah. What, what do you think from your perspective needs to happen to get more people of color into Silicon Valley? Um, the gatekeepers need to open up the gates. Um, I think that there is not a lot of conversations when it comes to tech about gatekeepers. Um, there are quite a few. Um, but at the same time, on the opposite side of that spectrum, I would also say that the ones who are the gatekeepers need to pay it forward. I'm kind of in this in this big intentional push to really build a lot of relationships for the long term because I'm trying to do stuff for the generation behind me. Um, like I was having a conversation um, with a good acquaintance today and I was telling him, you know, I'm a product of an HBCU and HBCU family. Shout out to the real HU, Hampton University is where I went. And, you know, for me, I'm like, I just literally had this conversation. I was like, I'm, I'm focused next year on hiring some HBCU interns, and then I'm gonna give them like a full-time job when, when they graduate. Like I'm on a big push right. for that because I felt like in my last years of my relationship, nobody really opened the door. Like for me per se, when I got started, mm-hmm. I got more doors and more relationships as I got in the thick of things. And unfortunately we're in a world of capitalism. 
Um, and we're also in a world where it, it really is, especially in the tech industry, who you know. I feel like intentionally in the last five to six years, I've been very intentional on the relationships that I've been making with people. And it really has not been about me. It's really been about my thought process to the next thing. But I feel like the gatekeepers need to open the gate. And then the ones who are the gatekeepers, we got to start paying it forward to this next generation because when you look at technology, it's changing every day. Mm-hmm. And there could be that next Black Bill Gates, that next, you know, um, you know, Steve Jobs, Tim Cook, um, even, you know, even the team at Facebook. There are a lot of representation when you think about Black women in tech. Like even, you know, Kimberly, um, I can't think of her last name, from Black Girls Code. And I follow her online. Kimberly, if you see this, don't, don't fault me for it. Um, but when you look at her, she's a role model. She is a champion. And she she built a lot of relationships she had, but that's what I think honestly we need to do in the tech space for real. Yes. Well, you talk a lot about man. Your your wise is very stupid, but I read up a little bit about you. Explain to us what what's the zone of excellence? Ah, so there's a difference between the zone of excellence and zone of genius. Um, book I read, Big Leap. I don't know if you've ever read it. It is a life changing book. Um, I read it probably the last. I'm gonna say like last like three to six months I've read it. I mean, I'm gonna go back and reread it again for the year. So I highly recommend anybody that is tuning in and tapping in, please order that book off Amazon. I'm telling you, regardless of your industry, your niche, who you serve, it's gonna change the way you look at your business and look at how you serve. So I realized that my zone of genius and my zone of excellence is definitely two different things. My zone of excellence um, is more so dealing with SMS and text marketing and things of tech. But my zone of genius is strategy. My zone of genius is teaching. Those are two different perspectives, but can I marry those together? Yeah, but I had to really learn, especially this transition of me transitioning into the sports niche, that I had to figure out a happy way for those to be cohesive and to really have a lot of meaning. So, like I said, you know, my, my zone of excellence at the end of the day, it's gotten me to a lot of great places. Um, it's gotten me to have a lot of conversations, but my zone of genius is strategy and really teaching the mass of people and really looking at it from a bird's eye view instead of looking at it at a short term view. So that's how I would kind of describe it in that perspective. So let's talk about this connectivity fan base that you created. What, what we got going on here? Oh, gosh. Um <laughs> My fan base is interesting. Um, you know, I, I have I have some day ones that have been riding with me for a long time. Um, and I'm appreciative of that because especially the last two years, and I can say this um, unapologetically, I really wasn't happy with the work that I was doing. Um, I think from a monetization thing, paid the bills, allowed me to have a nest egg, but I don't think I, I was really fulfilled in what I was supposed to be doing. Right. And I feel like I've even had people in my community Um, Because I'm I'm really antsy about the word saying tribe. I kind of look at it from a slave perspective. So, yeah, yeah, like my mom is a former social studies teacher. So I learned at a young age about a lot of stuff. That's important knowing your history, man. Yeah. Most people bypass it and don't think it's it's necessary to know these things moving forward when in actuality, you can know a lot of it, man. Listen, Raquel Smith made sure I knew a lot of stuff. I, I learned about bills. I learned about how government work. I, I appreciate my mother for teaching me things, things at a young age. But, you know, just going back to the fan base question, 
Um, like I said, I do have a lot of day ones and I, I do appreciate them really allowing me to evolve and to become authentically who I am because I've always been a sports person. I think I've honestly hot hidden a part of that, a part of that, you know, when it comes to me. And I think I did it because I was more so just trying to not paint a picture, but I wasn't really trying to be transparent and vulnerable enough for everybody to see all of me. I just wanted you to see this tech stuff. That's it. Like that's, that's all I want y'all to know. We good, sis, we good, bro. That's it. I think now I'm in a season of transparency where I'm sharing that, yeah, I, I love sports. I do love tech. Um, I was just recently diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, so I shared that too. I just feel like it's, it's more now about me sharing my story and sharing my skill set and for, you know, my my community and my day ones to, to be a part of that story. I mean, hey, you might turn a different page in a book. It's all good. I appreciate you for why you were here. That's great. And if you got to leave, I mean, I'm cool with that. If yeah. you say, you know, I appreciate you wanting to stay and stick around and just really seeing what I come up with, because I'll be honest, I've gotten a lot of attention lately and I've still been the same person offline as I am on. That's and right. so it's, it amazes my circle and people who know me like, yo, you getting a lot. I'm like, OK. And like my parents raised me. You speak to the janitor the same way you speak. Exactly. to the So I'm not about to sit up here and let you know, internet stuff, like kind of take me to another level because my mother will humble me real quick. <laughs> so we yeah. not have to play them games, but my, my community is is unique. Now it's becoming a lot of, I'll say black women in tech who are seeing me and seeing me change my narrative and doing what's possible. Yeah. Uh, I see that there are a lot of, you know, sports people, whether they are marketing PR agents, retired athletes because i have quite a few of them in my following now too they just want to see what i'm up to and just see how innovative i am and when we have conversations they're blown away because they're just like you're so humble and so cool with it i'm like that's how i was raised i'm not gonna sit up here and and let clout or fame you know or anything like that get to my head because i feel like i'm just the girl around the way that you know that you grew up with you know yeah. what I'm saying? that's really I, the sense of my community for sure yeah, I do believe vulnerability helps with engagement, though. You know, but I, I you know, we are we are people, though, that we come from a place where it's, it's hard to be vulnerable when we've been subjected to so much. Gazin, can you tell us, uh, being that you mentioned sports and you and you work directly with uh, sports, what 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 sports uh, are you affiliated with for the people that's listening out there? Yeah, so right now um, I have been like pretty much working with mainly I'll say it seems like collegiate and retired NFL players. Um, I've been having conversations with quite a few collegiate players that are getting ready to be drafted. Um, and it's usually honestly big about relationships. So I will say this, I did come because I, I literally have been transitioning over the last six to eight months into the sports niche. I didn't come in automatically trying to grab a client. And I want to make this statement really clear. I came in trying to build relationships with people who can get me in the doors to get to the, the situations. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I've really gotten a lot of meetings as of late with that. And like, I mean, I got some stuff in the works right now. And of course, through the NDAs, I can't discuss some things. But I know at the end of the day, some of the fruits of my labor are getting ready to pay off with a lot of prominent people, whether they are some collegiate athletes that are going to be like maybe fifth to six rounders, maybe seven rounders or um, undrafted to retired players who are doing some amazing things in the tech space or amazing things in e-commerce that kind of are bringing me on for partnerships. And I've also connected recently with um, a black guy who's been in the music space who does stuff from NASCAR. So him and I are getting ready to start tapping in on some stuff. And then at the same time, you know, um, I met with another tech entrepreneur today who is in the 
sports tech niche and we're going to start aligning with some stuff too so i'm really all about building relationships but it seems like lately i will be honest i've gotten a lot of football people but don't get me wrong i've had a soccer athlete reached out we connected this week um we're following up next week um i have some other agents um for like WNBA players other fever players that wanted to tap in so i definitely have like a lot of relationships that i wanted to build first because it was it wasn't always about getting the clients first it was about me building the relationships with their people and it was very intentional so i didn't come in like yeah i'm gonna be this big shot i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that nah but i have attracted a lot more football people because that's where i geared my content but i think visually probably within the next six months my planning for q1 and q2 of 2021 is to niche down even more on the specific type of athlete and i'm, I'm gauging my conversations and contracts that are on the table and i'm, I'm taking note of stuff and i'm, I'm knowing right now based on stuff is leaning is looking like a lot of collegiate athletes and some retired NFL players and like, you know, the soccer players are just the extra. That's where you want to get them at. So Superphone, tell us about Superphone. What is Superphone and how did it come about? Oh gosh. So the great, amazing Ryan Leslie, our last shout out to you. He's a great guy. Um, he came out with this concept in 2013 because he really wanted to have a direct connection with his fans. He felt like that a lot of social media kind of made it feel like a, a one to many relationship instead of like a one to one. And when you look at Ryan's following, he has a, a, a huge combination of followers on all of his platforms. But if you take 10% of that, that's really the engagement. Because when you look at social media specific, specifically, the higher you get in following, the lower the percentage is in engagement because it starts dwindling and dwindling down. So he decided to create Superphone as a way to directly have ownership of his fans, his conversations, and things of that nature. And you know, his, his most profitable case study to date was him taking his albums off of streaming platforms, going direct to his consumer, selling it that way, being able to tap in with them to say, hey, I appreciate you purchasing my album and the things of that nature. And it's been in existence for a while. Of course, there's competitors in the space, but you know, I, I got to tell people all the time, that's that's the original McCoy right there. And um, Ryan and his team, which are amazing, shout out to the marketing team, product team. They're all amazing folks. And the vision that he had back then, and now people are just trying to catch up now, seven years later, um, it's amazing to see how forward thinking he was then, and even how forward thinking he is now, because I can tell y'all this now, stuff he's doing for 2021, he's definitely gonna be stepping on people's necks for sure. Yeah, that's crazy, because the, the, the ownership of your fan base, who is sort of that? Nope. Like, Nobody at all. But but it, but it is ingenious, and this is probably a zone of genius in, in his respect because the digital activity right now, most people are on their phones at least four and a half hours a day. Facts. And, it, and, it's, and it's increasing. And yep. by 2020, people are going to be on it half of the damn day for 12 hours. Yeah, so yeah. Figured if you can control your own fan base, give them the things that they like, music, merch, whatever it is, but you directing to them, you ain't got to worry about nobody else, man. Listen, yeah. I, I, I put a post on my Instagram and I want to say it might have been like a week and a half ago. I was saying how it's, this is not going anywhere anytime soon. No. Um, CNBC has projected that text is going to probably not only double or triple in 2021. And the reason why that direct to consumer and having ownership of your fan base is huge. Right. It's it a is. play. It's also a ownership where you can go direct to them and cut out the middleman, all these third party platforms. Like I look at it when I look at these athletes and this is like how I've been honing in on these conversations with them. 
I'm like breaking down numbers. I'm like, all right, so you got your platform on, you know, Shopify, right? And they're like, no, it's on such such third party. I'm like, okay, so I can tell you for a fact, I know that they get a cut of this, right? Get a percentage of that. I said, but what if you just took the middleman out the picture, went direct to your consumer, put it on Shopify? Yeah, they want to take their. 2.9% for payment processing because we know that's how payment processes work. Mm-hmm. You still have that revenue from your fan base free and clear. Period. Mm-hmm. Free. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, why would you not want to pull, pull your strategy together to be very intentional about going direct to them? Because at the end of the day, they want to hear from you. And mm-hmm. I think all the time, especially like I said, the conversation I've had, even just in the last 48 hours alone, I kid you not, I've been stressing this because I'm like, when you look at that social media relationship, and I remember um, I follow Kyle Prater. He's a former NFL player. And I got to say this specifically because this happened like maybe a week or two ago. He was having an issue with his Instagram account. And I think it was more so him posting a video or something dealing with his account. And I commented under his post and I said, this is unfortunate. However, I want to try to show you a different narrative to make sure that this doesn't happen to you again. And that going forward, your fan base and your community can see what it is you're trying to share, monetize, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those, these are examples like that every day. Look at look at little Boosie. Okay, now now I know his antics are a little <laughs> little pungent, but he got locked out of Instagram for a good long time. Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> and Facebook own everything, and I tell people this from a tech perspective: they own everything. They own WhatsApp. They own a lot of companies that a lot of people don't know that they own. Yeah. Talk about talk about Nipsey's uses of smartphones. Yeah, Nip 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 knew. Rest in peace to Nip. He was he was way beyond his time. Um, and I, I am still like kind of even not knowing him, I'm I'm reeling that. Because yeah. I think that just the, from the innovation and technology piece, he knew. Like his CTO, his CTO, um, Idris, it is it Sandu, intelligent genius guy. I follow him on all platforms. He knew and he saw the vision when you think about Nip Smart Store. But going back to Nip using Superphone. He, that was his mailbox money campaign. A lot of people don't know that. That was the case study and that's what he used for his mailbox money campaign. Mm. Basically sold it direct to consumer. Cause I think it was one was either 100 and one was a thousand. If I'm correct, based on, you know, just what he's shared. Mm-hmm. And he sold directly. Ain't yeah. he no middleman. He sold direct to his fan base. He knew where they were. So if he pulled up in the city. He could do a pop up, show them love. Right. Come out back and say thank you. I mean, there's so many nuances to that. But Nip was was definitely ahead of time. Um, Cardi B for WAP. Um, I know they used Superphone for that rollout. For that, there there's so many case studies with Superphone. But people just don't understand how powerful it is to cut out the middleman and go direct to your consumer, go direct to your fan base. It's powerful. Yeah. It just it makes me think of like a concierge service, like that personal that personal touch, right? Yeah. I, um, when I, when, I, when I think about it also, I think about, it makes me kind of think about Kevin Hart is one of the people that I think early on, I seen him really monetizing Instagram and his social media and stuff like that. And I read stories about him where he would be promoting movies and part of his contract, he would tell people is, well, I have X amount of followers. Mm-hmm. If you want me to promote the movie on my, you know, on my platform, you have to pay me X amount of dollars. So in my mind, I'm thinking, why, you know, why not for, for smartphone purposes, like you just, eliminate all those people you go direct direct to the people to your fans yeah I, I i really think in all transparency some people get it and some people don't but then but then knowing who i am as a person 
I really I think it has a lot to do with their team and coming up with the strategy. Strategy is the core part of the process. If your team cannot help you implement your vision, create a plan, create a strategy, it's not going to work. That was my and, next question too. And, yeah, and I, I think that it has a lot to do with the strategy because I can tell you now, if I see how I've been doing case studies on reels, if anybody follows me on Instagram, I study everybody that I do. I study them like I am taking a collegiate exam. I look at what they have going on, what I want to pinpoint, and what is the pain point or value I see. So right. like recently, like one of Brandon Marshall of House of Athlete, I know that he uses text. He uses community, not the phone, but I know he uses text. He did it in I Am Athlete podcast. He had like a pick me thing and it basically sent a number. And I was like, ooh, okay. I said, why is he not doing this for I Am Athlete the podcast? Because that was just one instance. And then I was like, why is he not doing this for House of Athlete? So what did I do? I studied House of Athlete. I said, okay, let me gather my information. Let me see where their pain points are. But I came up with a strategy and that was really to be transparent. That was basic. That's not even the, the, the depths of levels I could have gone with. It was basic quick strategy, but going back to your point, like it, it has to do with strategies. A lot of people don't have one. So yes, a Kevin Hart could have sold pain, a tour. The pain points were the pain points. So pain points to me are, are gaps in scenarios. So going back to his thing about Kevin Hart, if he has to put in an X amount of dollars in his contract to get stuff promoted, that's a pain point. So that means that you're not really valuing your following in the first place, or that means you're undervaluing them and you're like taking an undercut when it comes to you your monetization which means you can just cut all that out and just go direct to your consumer leave out the middle man with the contract and really get what you deserve that's kind of what i would consider a pain point and then going to brandon marshall's example you are building house of athlete and basically what you're doing is building a new age fitness and e-commerce brand but i can see that you're asking for emails a lot but you use text they're not probably going to sign up for notifications. Why? We're, we're in email overwhelm right now. I think during the pandemic, everybody tried to email people. It's people that you got emails from you ain't heard from in months. <laughs> Maybe right, right. I had to unsubscribe from a lot of people in March. I'm like, sis, bro, like I ain't heard from you since last holiday. Like, people I don't know. Like hand, man. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that I look at pain points from that perspective like that. Like, what are the gaps? What are the opportunities that I see that could be possible for the strategy? But overall, it comes to like a Kevin Hart's team might not really be looking at this as a strategy. They might just have a, a linear one instead of like one that could be a little bit more flexible. Now, tell tell me what, uh, Chris, uh, besides um, this, this the sports element being uh you know the stuff that you into are there are there any like companies that that we are aware of or whether you can speak or not of that that you that you're currently dealing with uh as far as the superphone um i can't speak on one right now because i got an nda um but let me just say this a lot of companies are not leveraging um text i'm just gonna be transparent they're okay. non-traditional well i'm not gonna say non-traditional they're really old school for their marketing what a lot of these companies have to understand is that at the end of the day, they are not going to survive in this new market and in this new age with old marketing. Right. It's just not going to work. So you have to go meet your people where they are. And going back to the earlier point, yeah, people are texting every day. Do you know an open rate for a text message is 98% within the one the three minutes that is received? Mm. Now think about it. <laughs> That, that's texting is just one portion. You know? That's just one portion. You're spending four and a half hours 
Texan. Yes. So what are you doing with the other freaking four? Listen, I mean, that's a long, that's a conversation for a whole other day, but I feel you. <laughs> I feel you, but like, yeah, there, there's a huge opportunity. And like, I, I tweeted something yesterday because I know um, the guy that's where the, where the money resides is real popular. So I, I tweeted something about a CEO from Drift. And mm. now all these top end CEOs from tech companies or brands are now using text. So I quoted the tweet and I said, I'm trying to tell y'all, y'all sleeping on text. You got a lot of these CEOs, COOs starting to use it. I said, it's cool. Me, my clients, and my people, we're going to be where the money resides. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's highly undervalued. But I guarantee you, in the next two years, SMS and text is going to take over. All of these long plays trying to get connected to a community or a brand, brands are pushing for that now. When you look at holiday shopping, it's so much easier for Macy's to tell me what they got going on because I gave them my phone number versus mm -hmm. giving me my email. I knew everything going on. I got my deals on Christmas, yeah. <laughs> you know, all my stuff, but it, it's an easier way for you to connect with me. And brands really need to focus on meeting where their customers are. And most of them aren't in their phones. You would think though that that would be a rather easy shift because we talking about old marketing and one of the old marketing employees used to have, be like have a mailing list. So yeah. what is the difference? You know, why can't they make the shift in terms of a mailing list? That's a great question. I think it has to do with the people that are actually putting forth the strategy and the plan. Um, it has to do with their mindset. And, and I really feel like a lot of people think SMS and text can't work for them. It really can literally work for everybody. It really depends on who you have on your team that is competent enough to create a new strategy on your behalf and execute said strategy. When we're stuck in an old school mentality with marketing, I'll give it to you. Some traditional things work like sending stuff in the mail. People like stuff in the mail, right? But when it comes to some of these other trends, especially with digital, um, I just feel like that a lot of people that are at the helm of them are not willing to be flexible and are not willing to be open to new options. Cause like a lot of people really like I, I really think even in 2021 there's going to be this one to two percent of people that are going to be using sms and then in 2022 everybody's going to be trying to catch up but they're going to dominate their market share and their market space because they decided to tap in when they did ever since i decided to shift that way during the pandemic stuff has changed for me because i have that direct connection with people and i've been making great relationships so I can tap in with people a lot more now frequently. And like, it's not like, I, it's not a Jonah scammer thing where I'm like, yeah, sign up. I'm a spam you, spam me. No, like I'm trying to really build with people. I text people randomly. I'm like, hey, you want to get on a phone call real quick? And they're like, oh my God, you want to talk to me? Yes, yeah, sis. Yeah, bro. Like I'm human. Like I want, let's chop it up. Let me see how I can help you with how I can be a service. Or even if I got somebody in, in my network and it's not me, I can still point you in the right direction. But I think it, it's, it's all about the strategy. And there are a lot of people that are in this space and in this industry of marketing and they just don't want to be they just want to hold on for some reason i think it's going to just will them and everything is going to facade and this is going to pass this is not going to pass and i know people are like oh it's hot and it's trendy okay you can see that way but i'm looking long term it ain't going nowhere you're going to start having sports franchises college teams in the next two or three years especially with name image and likeness coming Man, high school kids are going to start using SMS. They're already texting their friends anyway. Now they're going to make money off of it. I give it two to three years. I guarantee it. I think that I businesses will come along. You know why I think businesses are going to come along? No, because COVID is going to is really hitting people in their pockets mm -hmm. and it's money. And it's sad. Like there are some people that only become innovative when it when when cash is low and they don't okay. have the financial resources to do the things that they did previously. Guys, ain't I'm sorry about that. 
Can you tell us uh, what are some of the, the features with Superphone that a lot of people are giving you po- a lot of positive feedback about? Yeah, um, people just love the fact that I know a lot about them um, mm. because I ask the right questions. When when you basically text me um, and like, or if you go to textheblacktechie.com, I send you a message and say, hey, it's Chris. I don't know this number or it says something along those lines, like fill out this form so I can, you know, we can tap in. I basically ask them key information. I want to know their name. I definitely want to know their birthday, where they're located. Because if I want to pull up virtually or just, you know, when the world gets its life back together, if I decide to pop up in a city like Charlotte or something like that, and I know you're in Charlotte, I can reach out. But, you know, just the personalization has been a huge factor. And the fact that I really know how much they've tapped in with me. And even on a monetization play, if I know how much they spend with me and I can thank them for their support. I think that a lot of those things are huge features and that it's really me. Like, as my team grows, I'm not allowing anybody else to control that narrative for me. I'm having access to my phone. And Ryan is honestly the same way. Ryan controls his phone. Nobody on the team does. Right. He's, and he's managing, I think last time we checked, maybe over 42,000 conversations. Wow. He's managing that. Nobody on the team is doing that. And I, I aspire to, to be at that level because that's the one thing I don't want to automate. That's the one thing I don't want somebody to take away from me. I want that personalization. So besides knowing about them, knowing how much they spent with me, knowing how much that they tapped in with me, people love the fact that it's personal and they can really connect with me. Because a lot of people on social feel like that they're one of your followers. But when you're yeah. talking to them, that's a one-on-one thing. And so they love the personalization. And what fan wouldn't want that to be direct, you know, di- talk directly to the people that they admire and trust? And I mean, that's a great, that's a great system to have, man. And I don't see it. I see it only going up. Yeah. 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 I um, I was I was going to ask you about that too. Like, you know, it's is there the use of what a possibility of automation? Because look, I look at my phone sometimes, and I have six text messages, and I'd be overwhelmed with it. So imagine if you're a celebrity, and everybody has your number. And they texting you, you know, and you want to have that personal touch, but there, there has to be some sort of automation feature, right? Yeah, it definitely has a lot of automation. But I also think it goes back to my earlier point about having the right team that can help you manage it. Um, right. As you grow in scale, um, especially people of celebrity status, Ryan is fortunate where, um, yes, he does have a team around him, but he really personally manages those conversations. But what I love about what Ryan does, he leads it to the, the contact to build a relationship. He lets them know like, hey, you text me, you tap in, whatever. The the funny story, and I'm gonna share this real quick. The reason why I became a brand ambassador is because I text Brian. And this before, I was already in his phone. But I reached out and asked him, I was like, how do you become a brand ambassador for Superphone? Because by this time, I'm already talking about it on the platforms. I'm already using it with clients and myself. That came through a text. He told me who to contact on their team. I contacted, we had a meeting, and the rest is history. But my point in saying that is that he is managing a lot of conversations, but the fact that I wanted to tap in with him and connect with him, that speaks volumes. So like you have to really be wanting on the other end of the fan to really be tapped in and really wanting to be connected and engaged. Because people continue fluff, fluff all day, but I feel like if the athletes specifically, and even with celebs, I know that they have good teams around them, but I feel like too, sometimes even if you just take an hour out your day to respond to some messages, from your fans it could be a 16 year old in chicago that might be going through a lot in his home life and he wants to be the next um you know uh i can't think of the player from the utah jazz Dor- is it dorian mitchell donovan mitchell donovan. okay sorry about that donovan um yeah that he can want to be the next donovan mitchell right then it could be you know 
the kid that's that's from Broadwood County, Florida, that's looking up to a Lamar Jackson because you know that's that's his hometown mm-hmm. that he could tap in with them. I mean, it, it's so many opportunities that I look at that and I feel like it's all about having the right team. But at the same time, just just make the time, take that hour or even that thirty minutes if you can answer a few texts. You can let the fan know, like, hey, um, got a few minutes, so I just wanted to go ahead and answer your question. I'll tack back or check back with with, with you in a few days. Because there's automation in Superphone where you can have a follow-up. There's called a never-lose-touch feature. Yeah, that will, that will blow a fan's mind. So he got sex from his favorite football player. Right? Listen, but I mean, but that that's truly how you build relationship. <coughs> right. The that Ryan had where he was shooting a video. And this is real. You can check out some of his interviews because he said this. He texts somebody in his phone and the f- person, the fan said, hey, um, I own or I manage, you know, some fleets of cars. If you need some, I could pull up. He was like, yeah, how many do you need? Ryan was like, I need like, you know, 20, something like that. The fan was like, all right, bet. He was in the video. Not only that, Ryan gave him like a bar for a line and he provided all of the, the cars to the video. That's what I mean about having that engagement and wanting to tap in with who you're tapped in with. You never know. Somebody could get a job that way. Somebody could get intern. Unlimited possibilities. possibilities. Yep. So like I'm I'm really, really mindful of that. And like I like I said, I do understand it, but Superphone honestly was created to grow to scale. Ryan is managing, like I said, he's managing his own conversation. If an athlete or a celebrity chooses not to, you can get a team to help you. They can learn how you respond to stuff. Even if you took the time to just answer 10, if you got a quick 30 minutes before break, that can make not only that fans or that community person day, but that builds and starts real connections for sure. Yeah. I, was, I was surprised being that, you know, Shark Tank been out for a while, that Ryan or any other reps for uh, whether you or any other reps for, for Superphone didn't, didn't use a pitch deck to, 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 you know, speak to investors about that. Well, I mean, Ryan does, um, you know, have, um, you know, some investors, but I think he really wanted to have full ownership of the platform. Um, Got you. Really do it that way. And I mean, and, and this is just me speaking as a brand ambassador, not really for them. As a mm-hmm. brand ambassador, I, I see the long-term plan strategy, and mm-hmm. I know that he wants to definitely keep everything in-house because it's like his baby. He, he yeah. built it, you know what I'm saying? And Ryan, you know, for the most part, had a vision back then, and he saw the possibilities, and he was way ahead of the curve. But... For certain things, especially because I can say this in the tech world, sometimes it's best to kind of, you know, know when to hold them and know when to hold them. And this is something that you definitely want to hold on to and not really get into that play. But if, if I was in Ryan's shoes, I wouldn't want to go on Shark Tank either. I appreciate what they do, but I would want to keep full ownership and just take maybe private investments few and far in between so I can still maintain my ownership. Yeah. Now, is there a way that people can get involved in the private investments? Whether um, you know us that's interviewing you or people that we know, so not at the moment. Um, I don't believe. Um, what I would recommend just doing just text Ryan seriously. You go okay. to textryan.com, he can provide you. He's probably going to tell you who to contact on his team, but okay. um, he can at least give you some more information in regards to that. Um, but as as of note, like I said, I can't really speak to all of that stuff, but um, I would say tap in with him, he, he, he'll text you real quick and let you know. Yeah, and he wrote the original code for it, right? Yes, he did. So he decided to take some coding classes, and um, I admire that um, because I think that that shows he really believed in his product. Mm-hmm. So to have the CEO and founder say, "No, I'm a code the first version out," and 
you know, it, it's not, he'll tell you, it's not as how it was, how it is now, but I mean, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And I, I know some, some of the users that have been around with him for a long time and they've seen iterations. And I mean, I've just been around with them, um, you know, not that long, probably about almost nine months going on to a year. And I've seen iterations and stuff and changes already. I'm, I'm excited when they push the next updates because uh, I just think that what they're doing from a technological perspective is very innovative. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, I was even outside of this space, I've always thought of, thought of him as like just a uh, person who was a visionary. He, like, yeah, he, Brian, kind of like individual. Always wants some different stuff, but I, but I'm here for it. You know, what I'm saying like the stuff that he thinks about Superphone and just the conversations that he has. And just when you look at the content that he's created and even for other interviews that he's done, he has been sincerely very innovative. Very innovative, man. Pioneers don't need validation to move forward, so. Facts. Yeah. Well, we have, let me ask you another question. Let me, let me pick your brain on this. What are your thoughts on um, Clubhouse? Now that Clubhouse is all array for everybody. Oh my God, I love Clubhouse. Um, is that I, should I, I jump the bandwagon, Sean? You saying it's Clubhouse being a lot? Clubhouse is good. I will say I have made a lot of relationships with Clubhouse over the last two weeks that I think I have regularly networking via social media in the last like three to six months. I can say that wholeheartedly. Um, but at the same time, I came providing value like I always did. Of course, you're going to have some rooms that's going to be capped and you're going to know real quick who cap it. <laughs> but there's also the rooms that are extremely valuable. That is where a lot of connections are going to go down. And I mean, like, we're going to start from Clubhouse now we here. Like, not I'm not talking about from a romantic or sexual perspective. I'm talking about business. Okay. Like, able to do a virtual, virtual chat if you feel comfortable enough to do social distance, like, you know, face-to-face, -face, depending on where you are. There have been a lot of fruitful conversations that have happened from Clubhouse. So... I, I like Clubhouse. Um, it is definitely part of my strategy to really network. Um, I have I've met some some amazing people in the sports niche um, on Clubhouse, especially these last two weeks. And it's because I've been in the right rooms. I've also given value in those rooms, and I've also made sure that I've always was unapologetic, unapologetically myself in those rooms as well. So I'm I'm definitely here for Clubhouse. I'm hoping that. They continue to keep it in beta. I feel like when it gets public, that's that's where it might get a little bit interesting. Um, but but I know at the same time, Facebook is now. Yeah, but I know at the same time, Twitter is rolling out Spaces. Um, so it's going to be interesting, interesting to see how that pairs out. Nice, nice. Cool. Yes, eh? So. Uh, the Superphone app is available on iOS and Android, correct? That is correct. Yep. You can download that today. You can definitely sign up. Um, it's not like you got to be waiting because some people think like I'm going to sign up and I'm not going to get a phone number. No, you sign up. You pay based on the plan that you choose. You select your number and then you get started. But I will say that too. Make sure that when you're going through that process, you already have a strategy in mind. Because I know a lot of people that I have shared links with and things of that nature, like go ahead and sign up and then they sign up and then they sitting on it. And I'm like, this time you could have been using to connect with your community, but you just were, you know, kind of in shiny system syndrome or shiny tech syndrome, I like to call it. And you were just excited about it. And I feel like from the perspective of just making sure that you're going to utilize it, sign up, utilize it. It can be so transforming. And I think that a lot of people are really underestimating its power. But yeah, you can definitely sign up right now. It's on um, iOS and Android platforms. 
Excellent product, man. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. I have I have definitely, like I said, um, that is where I push a lot of people to. Anybody that wants to tap in with me, like I tell I tell them, I'm very honest. Like you send in an email, it's going to be in my email inbox with everything else. I'm cleaning my inbox out over the next few weeks, but I'm going to respond to a text quicker than I would probably a DM. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people all day, like you probably be best on texting me. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell for, for for the viewers, the people that are listening, and the people that are watching, how can they get in contact with you aside from texting you? Give out your social media information. Yeah, most definitely. I am at the Black Techie on all social platforms. I'm too hard. To, I will honestly say I'm probably more on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I love on Twitter having thought leader type of conversations and LinkedIn as well. Um, Instagram, you'll see me do a lot of reels, um, a lot of you know static posts for content. I definitely recommend y'all go check out textthe.blacktechie.com. Tap in with me. You know that's how you can text me and connect with me one on one. I really do respond. I am a night owl, so you might if you're talking to me at like midnight. Don't be surprised if I respond back because I'm probably up. <laughs> um, so, and then with with it being um, NFL season, what a lot of people don't know is that um, I actually help co-lead official Ravens fan club down here in Atlanta. Like we work with the Ravens team, and I've been doing that for the last six years. So, football season, I'm probably watching football late. So, if you text me and you talking about the game, I'm probably gonna respond. It's probably gonna shock, but I know what I'm talking about. I'm the sports. Um, so at the end of the day, okay. Black Techie on all socials, um, text theblacktechie.com, tap in with me. I would love to connect with you all, talk to you about Superphone. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. Well, again, thank you. Thank you for coming on. The Black Techie, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Smith. We appreciate thank you. Thank you very much, Chris. Pre-skin, pre-skin. Appreciate it. Have a good evening. You too. There you have it, the Black Techie Christmas. Superphone, if y'all haven't had an opportunity, it's, it's, it's available, like she said, iOS, Android. Android. Great, great, great platform. Ryan Leslie wrote the original code for it. For those that don't know who Ryan Leslie is, Ryan Leslie is the producer. He did a lot of a lot of production for Fabulous. He did production for Puff. Uh, he's a singer also. The dude is a Harvard graduate. You know, it's, it's, he's, 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 a, he's definitely an innovator. He's a visionary too, like a motherfucker. He's a pioneer in so many areas, man. That's dope. Yeah. Switching gears, so let's talk. Let's let's get to some of the rest of our commentary for um for tonight. Some of our other conversations. So, you know, this is one that Zane and I started um started talking about on the live earlier this week, and it's coming up. And you know, everybody that's on social media. They see all of the memes. They, you know, they 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 see all of the articles and things that pop up as it relates to it. So we decided to put this question to the audience. You know, um, the COVID vaccine is now here. Are you taking the COVID vaccine? Yes or no? And why? Rob, you wanna you wanna answer? Are you taking it? I'm not. No, I'm not taking the damn vaccine. Let me let me explain. Let me explain why. This is a this is this is your life that you're talking about. It's not an experiment. And I think people are missing the point when you're talking about how the medical profession intercedes in people's lives, man. They've been doing this for years and hundreds of years and they've used the media to circumvent what's natural, what's you know, what's considered uh, alternative and doing away with that. It's, you gotta look at man. The, the rise in garlic and sea moss has went through the roof. You can't even go certain places without finding that. But people are finding ways to stay healthy. 
Now with me, I'm not. I'm my. I'm my immune system is compromised, and I haven't heard a thing from my PC. I'm not voluntarily going out there. You think about these companies. I'm not going to speak their names because I don't want us to get executed out here. <laughs> Yo, the, the, these these viruses, if you get sick, you cannot sue. But I've learned about the Hippocratic Oath. That's a morally binded situation. That's not legally binding. So if your ass gets sick, you end up with a third toe or your fucking ear fall off, who are you going to sue? Where 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 are where are the guidelines if you do get I guarantee they have a law office ready to take your case and once wants to happen. I'm not taking it. I know the history of this country. I know biochemists and geneticists who know all sorts of things about what the country does for materials, the policies that authorities use to fund these these situations. They've been doing this since the early nineteen twenties and nineteen teens or whatever. I'm not doing it. I'm not. I'm not putting myself in. I still drink my tea. I drink my tea moss. I eat my garlic. I do all my natural stuff. And whatever I have to take now, because of my situation, I'm gonna take with that. But I'm not doing anything different. Same. What's up? You taking it? Yeah. You muted. Oh my bad. Uh, yeah, I'm not taking it, man. I, I I'll stick to the regular stuff, like I said before, elderberry, black seed, and uh, ginger, and several other things. But um, no, because uh, just like with anything, like I said before, anything that comes out, especially if it's something that's 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 dealing with medicine or any type of vaccine or, or serum, you can't be the first one off the porch taking something like that because it, it, it's, it's, it's too many ways where things can go bad. Um, after, you know, the uh, scientists, doctors, and analysts uh, uh, look things over maybe a second or third time and it's a proven track record that people are getting healthier, their immune system is not compromised, then maybe i might i might factor it in but that maybe still that doesn't 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 solidify yes but um at least i would know like you know maybe maybe the second or third trial that a lot of people out there like the elderly people that's in nursing homes and stuff like that and frontline you know people on the front line that actually are the first and second to take it that you know they'll be you know secure but we don't we don't know that until like I said the second or third time around when they got to do it, you know, improvements or upgrades. So is it is it is it the mistrust for the government or it's the science that we don't feel good about? Which one is it? It's both for me. It's it's, it's the mistrust of the government and the usage of it because these are this is chemical warfare. You have you got to remember Rockefeller. Let's just use Rockefeller as an example. He was the father. He's actually considered the father of pharmaceutical medicine. Because he found that that it can use petroleum and, and and medicine. Petroleum is addictive. This thing, these things, these things make you want to keep taking taking drugs. And because of that, he controlled the media and then he controlled the idea of telling people, yo, all this other naturopathic, holistic, uh, natural way of living, all of it's unscientific. The knowledge of this stuff, you already know, man. You know what you know what alkaline water does. You know what eating green vegetables do. You know what fruit does. 
You should know what grains do. You should know what starch does. All these things you should know. But you're telling, but the doctor's not going to tell you that. These are things you need to know on your own. But if you listen to the news, you listen to the media, and they'll put you in the, in the, in the sticks like, damn, if I don't take it, I can't go to the Nickel. Damn, if I can't take it, I can't go to Jamaican next week. Damn, if I can't take it, I can't go to the bar and hang out. Mm-hmm. That's controlled media. That's controlled media. And you got built. I'm not even going to put niggas' names in shit, man. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, Rob, because I'm glad glad you touched on the media, because the one thing about it... Yo, pharmaceutical medicine is the third leading cause of death for medical error in America, B. The and third one, one, one of the number, the, the top five in the financial industry, right. where revenue is generated. The question was asked behind behind one of them, one of them, one of them vaccines. How much money they picked out? The, the doctor said about four billion. Because he's always writing checks to someone who don't fell victim to a vaccine or, or medicine or, and you got to think about petroleum. Petroleum, that's can't that's cancer, right? You can just money to take cancer. That's why I told y'all in the, in the group chat when I was saying I feel like a couple of years from now we're gonna be up watching TV late at night and it's gonna be a mesothelioma situation where but so look, Nels, you got it right. I think if Apple if Apple puts out a phone and updates it three or four times to get it right, that's how I feel about taking the vaccine. There you it's have it. The trust medicine that we're from not overseen by an administration that has demonstrated my health is unimportant to them. Bleach herd immunity. That's it. That's an interesting comment. That's an interesting comment. You know, because there hasn't been much emphasis placed on, you know, aside from we got to get a vaccine. But right now, even if you think about my wife, I won't, I won't reveal her age. She's never taken the flu shot. Neither have I. Yeah, and I, I just had my 48th birthday. And that's not saying nothing, but listen, I know what it is to eat healthy and how that feels. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of your health, yeah, hear me out, a lot of your health has to do with how you're thinking. Ain't got nothing to do with the food and the shit you put in your body. You a pessimistic person and thinking negative, trust me, your body's going to be affected by that. Yeah. Yeah, Zane, you going to say something? When you dealing with these uh, different networks, right? Who's the who? What's 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 some of the main commercials that come on these different networks to, to, to pay for pay? Uh, you know, for paying out these, these different uh, networks for their ads. Pharmaceutical me- commercials. There it is. Mm-hmm. They lead. They they lead in everything. They they are the policy makers and the authority and what goes and what's being said and what's being put in front of you in front of the public. That's that's the part, but no one wants to speak of that because we live in a country where your ass might get executed if you say the wrong fucking thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's why I said that's why But people still need to know. People yeah. still need to know. For real. Willie, Willie, um, you know, Willie D, when Zane shared a post and I was saying, Oh man, I don't I you know, why would Willie D put that out there so fast? Well, two reasons. The, the first reason why I said why would Willie D put that out there so fast is because I think now we're in a generation where there's so much going on on social media that requires all kind of fact checking. And I don't know if you guys notice that anytime you post anything related to COVID, there's like a little disclaimer at the bottom that says yeah. something like click here for more information on COVID or whatever. 
whatever it is. So there's clearly keywords that's that's right. built within that algorithm that picks up on if this is a discussion that you're having. So for me, I'm like, you know what? I can agree with um what Willie D is saying, but I think that until the 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 science catches up with it, right. that's why I'm like, we gotta we gotta be we have to be um cautious <laughs> about how we move around it. You know, these people they can they can find scientists in Russia to create a bomb and blow up a whole goddamn country. But we can't have the scientists really put put something in the plate to eradicate whatever it is that we're going through. All the things that you need come from nature, B. All of them, every last thing. But we, we, we're trying to put petroleum in the shit so we can cut it and make it cheaper so we can sell it more. No one wants to, no one wants to go into a rainforest and pull things out from leaves and herbs. These things are the, the, the essential things that are for the anatomy of the body. All of that. Well, over the next, I feel like probably over the next couple of months, there's going to be different, just as Nels was saying, there's going to be different variations of what the actual vaccine looks like. Because um, I know AstraZeneca is developing theirs. I think, I forget who it is. There's, there's quite a few other designer drugs that, had a group, that, had a that, that, that are putting it out. So, Oh, man. I'm not taking it. Yeah, it's it's just it's, there's there's a number of different variations that uh, of that vaccine that's that we're gonna go through before I that. Gotta, I got a direct link with my urologist, my nephrologist, and my primary care, and I've heard nothing from them. Urgent because of my immune system being just what it is. That the browder, I suggest you do this because you're in that position. Absolutely, not. I'm not volunteering that my life dude. i'm trying to be here for another 40 quick you know I mean? mm-hmm. yeah i don't People know i need to take that position and and be and be and kind of just be cognizant of how you take care of your health Stop putting that putting your health on someone else's hands the hippocratic oath is a moral oath not a legal binding oath not all doctors are morally in their mind to sit here and teach you for what it is. You know for a fact that they can make some money if you break your leg and get your ass sick because you're going to keep coming back for more and they keep giving you a fucking prescription to come back again. First of all, I was on blood pressure medication. My wife changed my diet. There's a pill that I don't take no more ever. Yeah. Yeah. For, for, I, 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 I'm interested in seeing though, like where this goes. I shared with Zane, there was a poll that they had on CNN where they said 20, 20% of black people said they're gonna take it. It was like another 60% of black people said they're gonna wait and see what happens after the first round of people take it. And then there was 20 people who flat out said they not taking it. And I thought that that, that was a good indication of where we are as black people, right? There's 20, 20% of people probably like, yeah, I'm cool with it, whatever, I'll do it. And then there's the, the routine black people that have healthy skepticism as we should have healthy skepticism about everything you know i mean there's 20 there's a, the last 20 percent of people that's like yo i don't care what you say i have no level of trust for the government or science based on based on historical things that we've been subjected to right yo sir yo that we just had another benchmark in history but they're trying to play the same old tricks let me control the media if I got control of the media, I can control the numbers. I'm controlling what people are watching. So if I put enough 
fear in the minds of those who watching. Half of them people is throwing sticks. They're gonna be out here wearing masks and all sorts of like fucking running around crazy, man. Yeah. Shout out to Marcellus. What's good, bro? Marcellus says, I will not take the vaccine. We don't know who's getting the real vaccine and who is getting a placebo. There has not been any group study related to the COVID vaccine. Let me ask you this though, Marcellus, because I know in your line of work, do you think that um New York State government is gonna mandate that the people who work for New York State government get the vaccine? Cause you know that's I, I, I think that'll probably be coming. I'd be interested in hearing his, his take on that. Yo, man, the authority, authority of the policymakers say that they that people gotta do it, they're gonna do it. Yeah. You know, that's why we are. I've told you on a number of occasions already. That's how they're going to get you. It seems that you know you want to travel. You got to take the vaccine. You want to go to the game. You got to take the vaccine. You want to put your kid in school. You got to take the vaccine. You want to get, you know, you want this job. You got to take the vaccine. So they're going to they're going to find a way to pigeonhole people into doing it with the with the understanding that some people just flat out aren't going to do it. And then here's another thing, right? You have some people that are just anti-vaxxers. They're just oppose the vaccines altogether and you have people that don't take vaccines for religious beliefs right i had no idea because i'm so far removed from having children but when i was in a barber shop the other day my barber was telling me something like that his pediatrician told him for his daughter that he he was recommending like 40 some shots i was like yo 40 shots Forty shots yo i'm, I'm maybe i'm dating myself because i'm like was it well, didn't we have like measles monk rubella Smallpox, <laughs> something like that. Like there was a bunch of them early on. Mm -hmm. It's funny, I caught the chicken pox twice, but but, but they, it had a handful, right? It wasn't no forty some damn shots. Forty some shots. They were and, and, and nothing affected you growing up as a kid. He was drinking from hydrants in the Bronx. He's drinking from all. He's doing all sorts of shit. You get cut, the shit heals up. He was out in the park again. I didn't start hearing cancer until. The late 70s 80s like what was that mm -hmm. but living was different living was totally different nothing was nothing was rapid pace and doing these things the way we're doing nothing was microwave and you waited for tomatoes to grow my nigga. you waited for celery to come from the ground you went outside and, you, and got some fresh air that meant something it meant something to sit in the sun help to develop your help to develop your immune system playing in the dirt but now they, they it's telling you stay in the house keep a mask on your face totally take away from your your, your your vulnerability of being out in nature and now when you go out there you get sick what the hell is that? yeah see so he said they make making uh making part of the front line part of the front line of workers are gonna have to take it and it will be available for us to take if we want but it's not mandatory at this point so, yo, it's, 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 that's what it is. They're going to figure out a way to make sure that people get it. They want they want to know vac vaccinate kids for the things they might get as an adult, HPV. Right. They want to now vaccinate kids for the things they might get as an adult, HPV, and stuff like that. Yeah. Right, man. Right. New illegal business. Fake, I took the vaccine certifications. What you guys yeah, so you already know that. So here's the thing: maybe, maybe all of us would be safe if we are if we deal with COVID the way Tyrese is dealing with COVID. Zane, Zane told yeah, us, yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm gonna start uh, going to sleep in 90 degree the weather. 
So like 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 Charlie said, California, you can't catch it in California in the summertime. So, well, for those that don't know, Tyrese put a, a post out telling the world that to prevent catching COVID, he sleeps in ninety degree temperature. Oh my god, it's funny, but I, I'm concerned about Tyrese. Tyrese has had some real some real mental health moments recently. Some rants, right? I think he, he's not he hasn't been well since homeboy passed away i think you know that's a that's a different environment that the guys is in they probably see and hear stuff now i know i know i know i know him and uh him and the rock was beefing rock might have caught him on the back street and dinged him up a couple of times something man but his theory and his logic is if that's the case then why did COVID exist throughout the summer and why does COVID exist in warm climate countries right you know what i mean it's, it's and it's it's ultimately how you take care of your body about 85 percent of the people do not take care of their body i know for a fact over 75 percent of people do not constantly or consistently drink water well, as basic as, that, as basic as that may sound a lot of people do not drink water or adequately. You ever heard the theory that something where people are like you got to sweat out a cold? Maybe that's what Tyrese is doing. He think you got to sweat out COVID. I think I think that's yo yeah. I remember days when mom gave me that blackberry brandy and the rock candy. Put your ass in bed. You got to sweat out a cold. You got to you got to sweat out COVID. Nell says there have been more cases of cancer, ADHD, Down syndrome, and allergies in kids born after 2000, mainly due to immunization shots that are forced on them to take. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that they feel like there's a direct correlation between um, vaccines and, um, you know, and, and developmental disabilities and things like that. The, the, the rise of uh, being allergic to strawberry, fish, peanut, all that stuff went up after 2000. Yeah, so you have, but there's a lot of people that are straight up and down that just anti, anti-vaxxers. They're like, nah, I'm, I'm cool on it, you know? And there, there are communities that, you know, there are communities in, in particular in New York State that will remain um, nameless that when COVID was at, when COVID was at its height, they were having all kind of religious get-togethers and all kinds of stuff going on. 700 800 people that some of the vaccines and stuff like that they're not going for they're not they're not giving their children no vaccine so i want to see if, if they force this these vaccines down you know the, the inner city kids yeah, what's, what's the basis of them making that type of judgment it's history mm-hmm. you know what this country is capable of doing that's it plus we all know the united states is a business it's a corporation so they, cat, you know, capitalism is 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 always going to be at an all time high. Just like just like you mentioned other other episodes before, you got other countries out there, uh, outside of America that that don't pay the, the citizens don't pay for insurance, don't pay for education, but we we doing all that stuff over here. Come on, something is something's not right. And we're supposed to be the richest country in the, in the world. Yeah, speaking speaking of capitalism, Mackenzie Scott. For those who don't know who Mackenzie Scott is, Mackenzie Scott is Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. Jeff Bezos' ex-wife donated more than 130 million to a handful of HBCUs. What's your thoughts on that, Zane? Well, actually, let me read off the list. Let me read off the list. The overall overall donate 
the overall donation was 4.2 billion. Over. So let me read everything. off. Let me read off the list of some of some of the um the schools. Dillard University, five million. Clark Atlanta University, fifteen million. Elizabeth City State University, fifteen million. Claflin University, twenty million. Delaware State University, twenty million. University of Maryland Eastern Shore, twenty million. Lincoln University, twenty million. Virginia State University, thirty million. Uh, Winston Salem State University, thirty million. Norfolk State University, forty million. Morgan State, forty million. Prairie View A and M University, fifty million, and a whole list of a whole bunch of others that she donated to. What? Do, what? Zane, go ahead, finish up. What do you think about this? Well, I know uh, that was a very, very uh, overwhelmingly generous contribution, and uh, overall, that was a great thing that you know people with great minds would do. Um, I think that that's a, a, a great step forward. Uh, you know, given given the multi-million dollars to the to the HBCU. Shout out to uh, Mackenzie Bezos. Or Scott, Scott, I should Scott. say now. But yeah, Scott, I'm sorry. But um see the only the only the only trick bag that I don't like about that being that we had touched the touched the vac the vaccine situation. I don't want it to be where, okay, um these HBCUs when stuff starts to get crazy with this COVID stuff as far as vaccines, that some of that money is the blanket as far as for uh any type of uh stuff that goes on in a in a ill way as far as medicine, as far as far as the vaccines for any of the students that 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 they get the uh they get the virus, I mean get the uh the the the, the, uh, the vaccine shot. Well, let but, me say let me say this. Let me say it's funny you um you say that because one of the things that really stood out to me with this donation is that <clears throat> she donated this money and she didn't put a criteria in place, but no, donated. But Said, which you said there are which, no conditions for how you use the money. Yeah, which to me, being an adjunct professor is something that I can appreciate because there are there are a whole bunch of other circumstances that come with people actually going to school that a lot of people don't take into consideration. Everybody think it just stops at tuition. But there are there are other things that are very much impediment to people actually, you know, matriculating. And I've seen right. it where you know, there are people who, and you wouldn't think this would be the case, but there are people who don't have a computer. There are people who don't have the ability to actually get the book. Even now they're doing leasing books, the lease the right. book. There are people who can't afford with the Mills Act, the meal plan. There are people who can't afford transportation. Right. There are people who can't afford to get to internships. So I appreciate the fact that there's not a criteria in place. Hell, the school that I teach for, when COVID hit, they were giving students like subsidies also and giving students money. They gave students, I think they, for students who didn't have laptops, got laptop for students and stuff like that. So sometimes when people give these endowments, they handcuff what people could do with the money. They'll have like stuff in their stipulations where it can't go towards salaries for positions. Well, some of the positions that you need for some of these schools is you need somebody who is gonna fundraise. You know, they may have a stipulation in it that says that it can't go directly to athletics or whatever it is. But the fact that she gave it, she basically gave them a check and said, do with it how you see it to do for the students. And that, when you start talking about that, as it relates to a H HBCU, man, like that's that that's that's admirable. Yeah, I, listen, I have nothing to say. Once she said there's no conditions used for this money, 
Mm -hmm. There's no no strings attached. Yeah. I've I've been involved with organizations where, you know, they get um, where we've gotten grants or large sums of money and there's very much, very clear stipulations about how the money is spent. They'll be like, this person's salary can only be that much. This much can only be used directly on the clients. You can only use this much um, for your overhead, your brick and mortar. This much can go to this. You can't do that with it. You can't do this and do that or whatever. So they've given you the money, but they've handcuffed you and basically told you how they want you to spend the money. What was she thinking? She's like, you know what? I'm giving all this shit away. I'm tired of all this shit. Well, you know what? We remember last week when we were talking about man. Last week when we were talking about charity, and remember we were saying like, you know, like the like charitable flex? Right. And and that's those that's that's a charitable flex right there. And also what she was probably thinking about, because I believe she's like an author also, she's probably looking and saying, like, these are these are the schools that really need the money to actually benefit, you know, and could actually benefit from getting the money. If you give it, think about it, you know how much fundraising and how much money the Harvards and Princeton's of the world get, you know, so Right. Did you come yeah. Cambridge? I mean, what was it about forty-two colleges, universities? She's doing yeah, yeah. She, she. I mean, look. If wow. these school, if these schools aren't trying to put her name on a library, or you know, or, or do something to, to 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 honor her, or giving her, I'm sure she probably this year or next year she probably gonna get all kind of honorary degrees and doctorates. You know. I tell you what, though. Um when i when i was reading over like all the money she spent like i said it was 4.2 billion in four months so it, there's a lot of small you know small businesses out there that she that she allocated the money to so i'm like man 4.2 billion in four months a lot yeah. of a lot, shoot, some some people a lot of like a lot of multi-millionaires celebrities even billionaires don't even put 10 percent of that yeah, no, that's like true. That. That's, that's true, Nels, though. Like, yeah, you don't want people misappropriating the funds because you don't want the head of the school, you know, giving himself a million dollar, a million thousand. Yeah, and here's the, here's the crazy here's the crazy thing about that because there's a lot a lot of people don't realize that these schools are for profit entities. They're businesses, right? So you know, aside from when you start talking about like the state state universities, but a lot of these schools are for profit industry. So there has to be some sort of checks and balances in place. I, there was, a, um, I don't know if it was at Delaware State, I forget what school it was. It was like a couple of years ago where um, they caught somebody working in a financial office. I don't know if the financial aid office, I don't know if it was Delaware State or if it was Howard. It was one, it might've been Howard, where they caught somebody in a financial aid office that was taking financial aid money, you know? And they had, I don't know if you guys ever seen the interview on um, Flip the Script and the woman that was on, um, she was on the BET, um, joint two, where she got caught two times by the feds working in a financial aid office <laughs> of a college where she was taking the money and misappropriating the funds. So, you know, a lot of these schools also have boards and things like that in place. If you got a good board and they're watching it, like, yeah, there definitely needs to be some sort of um, some sort of regulation in place. It has to be regulated. Um, but sometimes when people get like tedious it, in terms of the stipulations, it really handcuffs what people could do with the money. You know, and then at the end of the, at the end of the day, if if you have somebody with, I'd like to believe that there, I know there's some horrible people, but I like to believe there's some people with good intentions. And like I said, like the school that I that I teach at, some of the stuff that they do for students when I was in college, it was unheard of. You know, they they 
helping people with transportation, giving people laptops. When I was in college, it was like, you ain't got a computer? What you doing in school? Right, right, right. <laughs> taking up space. What you doing in school? But that's all right. like, probably like a bigger conversation. That's all part of schools that are evaluated by a graduation rate and retention rate. So they want to keep students continuing to come back to school and they want the students to matriculate. Yeah. But I, you know, again, like to me, the fact that she even did that, I'm like, wow, how about that? We got big plans on the side of plans. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm sure I'm sure she's probably doing something with small businesses also. Nah, that's that's what I was saying. That four point two billion in four months was towards a lot of small businesses too. Yeah. And here's the here's the crazy thing that people are gonna say about it. Nobody's gonna look at it and how beneficial it is. You know what people gonna say? That's a tax write-off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a tax write-off. It is. You're right, hey. baby. We did give the HBCU. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He was giving. He's giving to any college he, he was invited to. He was giving up money. Yeah. yeah. But he, he was he was pro education, man. That's mm-hmm. it. Yo, we talking about Bill Cosby in the past tense. He was. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was. Yo, let no, me I this. did, I did, I did read. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they did say that he was, he was the one that gave the most of them HBCUs. But yeah, McKenzie got him beat now. He's probably the one putting stipulations on shit. Don't give it to this. Tyrese needs to be back on the bus singing. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, let me say this. Let me, let me say this real quick because um, the next episode that we do will have been our fiftieth episode of. Uh, of no ideas original podcast right and 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 you know i always go back to the initial phone call that i made to rob in walmart parking lot i was in walmart and i, was, I didn't even know that i told my wife about doing a podcast and everything I, even you know, I was like yo i'm gonna call up rob and see if rob want to get in on this you know and that sparked the conversation and then and then you know it, it evolved over time and I think the, I think the first conversation we had related to like content. I think you may have been in the hospital when I called you, right? I think I called to check on you in the hospital. You was in the hospital, and you know how you call it. And, and we talked about it. We chopped it up. But I have to say, like, yo, for us to be, you know, start start yo starting starting March on SoundCloud only, and then you know get on all these other platforms, and then YouTube in May. You know, here we are. You know, here, here, here we are. And to me, it's like, it's really dope. Like, I, I personally feel, you know, I'm blessed to have, you know, to have you guys as as, as partners. Um, you know, we got Rob. Rob Rob broke the deal with the calendars and helps get the interviews with the elders. We got Zane. Zane helps getting all the interviews also. Then we got Kareem, Kenyatta, and Theo. Theo. The, yeah, the No Ideas Original Sports Podcast. So yo, we making we making big moves, you know. Like probably a month into it, I said to myself, I was like, you know something, we gonna make no ideas original, no ideas original LLC, right? So we created it as a business, and then from there we trademarked the name. So I'm bringing this all up to say that our trademark went um went public for opposition in November, and nobody opposed our trademark, so. No ideas original. 
it's, yeah, it's, it's ours. It's going to be trademarked. You know, we put the work in as a team and we're going to continue to put the work in as a team and continue to grow, you know, our platform. One thing that we're learning on the fly is that, and, and for people that watch us, you know, whether you watch us and you, you're vocal and you tell us you watch us, because I do have, you know, good friends like Marcellus, shout out to Pete, Nikki, you know, people who watch and come and come back, give us feedback and everything. And then we have people who ghost watch us also, you know, probably just to watch to see what it is that we're doing, you know, and I'm not gonna speak for you guys, speak for me or whatever. I'm learning YouTube etiquette. I'm not a, you know, how you call it by trade, I'm not a YouTuber. We just got on, we started doing this because, you know, our motto is, yo, we just wanna have some dope grown adult conversations. Yeah, and here we are now doing it, you know, so I just, you know, I, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about where we gonna go or where we gonna continue to go with this because, you know, for me, it doesn't stop with us just putting on putting our stuff up on YouTube and being like, all right, we we on YouTube, you know. When we created No Ideas Original LLC, we like, all right, yo, there may be an opportunity for us to do something as it relates to to um to 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 finance, uh to fashion, to to movies, to whatever it is, you know, like we got we got big, big dreams and big goals and different things that we want to do with this. So yeah, man, we 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 got extended family, and you know we have connected so many people in this short period. Fifty episodes, a great accomplishment, man. And just yeah. I read out Walmart, and we started it. It started to pick up, man. And yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy with what we're doing. I'm glad we got the team that we have. Shout out to Zane. Shout out to Yada, Kareem, Theo. Yeah. Um. I think the best is yet to come. And we still learning. Mm -hmm. Ain't none of us journalists. You know what I'm saying? But we come in here, we have good power for information to give out. We have great interviews. We have great communication. We got great chemistry. Yo, I think sky's the limit for us, man. Just keep doing what we're doing. And just, you know, just work at it, man. Yo, Nels. Okay, anybody, anybody that's tuning in. Hi, go ahead, Shana. I said, Nels, we may take you up on that because the, you know, I bring that up to say, like, we, you know, one of the things that we talk about behind the scenes is we also hoping to add, like, other additional podcasts. Right. No Ideas Original LLC. So, so for the people who look at us and look and, you know, try to figure out what our views are and what we're doing, you know, it, you just need to know, like, yo, we may not be professional YouTubers, but watch us grow a business, right? right. Watch us grow a business. And, you know, the other thing I'll say, you know, kind of just, just to put it out there tongue-in-cheek, like, you know, maybe we may need to get in the business of buying other people's names and trademarking those too. <laughs> you you know, how you it. so let's learn. Yeah, so this, 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 we just, we're just scratching the surface of where we're going with this, right? And we only fit, we only 50 in and seven months on YouTube. That's right. Right? Yeah, yeah Zane, you was gonna say something? Yeah, I was also gonna say too for the people that that come on, uh, you know, don't 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 be discouraged or afraid to drop a comment or even like when you see this stuff on YouTube later, you can always give comments after you watch the show. You know what I'm saying? Uh, show your love. Uh, you know, you can like, comment, share any of the thoughts you have, and you know, we just keep building from there. OG Dad said, "When the wide wide world of job interviews is going on." <laughs> and OG Dad has been with us through it all too. Yo, man, I love OG Dad, man. He makes, I, I, it's good. I see I, when I see his name pop up. 
I see you yeah, easy. That's good. I, I like that. OG Dad, you got to get with us behind the scenes so we can send you a T-shirt too, brother. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm familiar, brother. For real, man. So for next for next week, you know, we working. We're trying to line up a guest. But if we don't get the guest that we want, we're going to have a best of show for y'all. You know, so looking forward to it. Excited. Any closing? Anything you want to say in closing, Rob? Um... Really, man, 50 shows, man. That's great, man. I'm excited. I didn't even give that. I, you know what? I, I thought about the 48 show because it was my 48th birthday. I'm gonna cut that line. So. <laughs> but um, 50 shows, man. Let's just let's create good content. Let's have great great talks like like we just had tonight. Um, let's not let's not be afraid to be pioneers and, and step out of our comfort zone a little bit sometimes. Um, I think that'll help us too. And um, let's keep building, man. We get ideas. If it's stick, it's stick. If it's not, move on. Don't need to stick. You know what I mean? Just keep moving, man. Just keep moving. Yeah, Zane. I would say, yeah, thanks a lot to everybody that's been tuning in. Um, a lot of people have been speaking to me, Shannon and Rob, about, you know, other, you know, other subjects, subject matter. We'll be definitely addressing that stuff too. Um, shout out to everybody that's been... Uh, other supporters well. huh not only subjects other ventures also yeah ventures too yep so we just you know we we we, we building we we forming like voltron and we're gonna you know just keep adding on right right appreciate it everybody have a good evening thank you for tuning in to no ideas original podcast peace